nā iwi o te motu he mihi tēnei ki a kautaka toa ko Marae Arakurakua hau ko tēnei te hōtaka nei a te ahikā. Aira Marae, kou tēnei ko Justin Murray and welcome to te ahikā <laughs> and our very last broadcast for 2009. Woohoo! Where we're going to give you a taste of some of the people and events we've covered over the past 12 months. Over the next 54 minutes, we'll bring you our highs and lows of 2009 as we take a hikoi down memory lane. And speaking of hikoi, Justine? As the ink was drying on the Super City Agreement, amalgamating all the city councils of Auckland into one huge Super City structure. There were Māori alongside non-Māori protesting and what is becoming a pretty common occurrence in New Zealand, eh, Justine? The hikoi, not hikoi, Mike McRoberts, hikoi. And you were there, Neha Maroa, when the Fōrohe of Auckland City came together and walked up Queen Street, where despite the weather, the spirits were high. The time is now 25 to 12, it is still pouring down with rain. Grafton Bridge was closed, there was a gas leak along there, so the hikoi had to be diverted. At the moment I'm walking down Queen Street. The plan is to meet at the bottom of Queen Street at 12 o'clock. Just past a whole lot of people with cameras. So it's a typical uh, Monday lunchtime in Queen Street, although there seems to be heaps of kids around. I'm seeing all the paparazzi. And usually when you walk through Queen Street, very rarely you see brown faces. Now I can see brown faces everywhere. Just past a whole lot of people wearing red jackets with Auckland City Ambassador. Didn't realise Auckland City was an actual nation. Now I'm heading down towards the end of Queen Street, which has been cordoned off, and I can see police cars with their sirens going. My feet are soaking wet by the way. There's a very heavy presence in the city today. I've probably seen about 30 cops since I was 10 this morning and another three have just walked past me. Another two have just walked past me now. Another two have just walked past me again. Another five have just walked past me now and I can see Flags flying. People, there are flags on every corner now. Tenoranga Serasanga flags. People are sitting out in cafes watching. Now I'm going to head over to a wahine who's standing here with some tamariki and see if they want to have a cordial. Where have you come from today? Um, te Rakipai Whenua. And are these your pepe? Aye, aye, aye. Kia ora e hoa? And you've come from Te Rakipai Whenua as well? Aye, aye. So, how come you fellas have decided to come out in the rain today, get wet fit and bring your tamariki? Because we need to stand up for what we believe in and this is a good cause. Um, yeah. I don't think it's right that they katango rātou i tamatau Māori suits mai te taonehau e haratera i te mahi pai. Is this the first time you protested? Um, oh, kao, kao. I roto a hau i te hikoi mo te seabeds. I hapu ana hau ki tēnei pipi i taua wā. That was your first hikoi too, Pepe. And now you're on another one. 
So, are you guys? You guys look all official. In your giwas. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just wanted to try and look official. Alright, well, I'm going to make my way down there now, ladies. So, I'll see you when I come through. <laughs> At times, the past year could be viewed as a frustrating one by some Māori, that despite the protests out on the streets and even within the bureaucracy, things don't change. It wasn't all fights, though, eh, Maraia? There were some wins. Uh, we've been fighting for the correct spelling of our name for a few decades now. Just yep, to make sorry. it clear, even though the H is going to be, or is in the name, it's still pronounced Whanganui, it's not Whanganui. No, that's, that's quite correct. It's, it's what we call, I suppose, uh, or the linguistics might call the glottal stop, eh? Uh, that um, uh, we don't say uh, Wanganui or uh, Whanganui, uh, it's uh, uh, Wanganui. And let's not forget, Pākehā get frustrated too. I don't care if you're a Māori or not, the foreshore belongs to everyone. So if you uh, have land and you think that you own that right to the, to the water and into the water, you're mistaken. Because that land, that, that beach, that uh, foreshore and that, uh, for me, and that, the seabed belongs to all New Zealanders. Okay? Just because you buy the land uh, you know, next to it doesn't give you any right over that, in my view. Okay? Uh, so I, I would, you know, if there was any change, I would strengthen it in that sense to make it more fair and not so biased uh, and, and against Māori, because maybe that was... Against Māori? Yeah, but I mean, that maybe that was the problem in the beginning, because Māori felt they were getting selectively treated, and, and, and in that sense, it's probably true, OK? But all the beaches, for my mind, all the beaches, all the mountains, all the rivers in this country are a great treasure for all of us. And uh, I don't think any one person should say they have ownership of it. We, they, they are all, it's a gift that we all have, so we all have to take responsibility for. One of the oral submissions made at the Foreshoring Seabed Ministerial Review held in August. Where it's been decided the 2004 Foreshore and Seabed Act that saw thousands march on Parliament in protest will be repealed. So maybe a combination of time, protest and action in and out of Parliament do the deed. The recent announcement the Tenoranga Tiratanga flag will fly alongside the New Zealand flag on Waitangi Day could be viewed that way, eh? Is another one. If the hui I reported from were anything to go by, Mariah, absolutely. Oh, for those who think it's a waste of time, I suggest you just stay home, wait till it's all over. And let your mokopunas run you over with the belief once, because they know eh, the mokopunas get this without even having to be uh, explained to. They just understand that this is about us being Māori and uh, having something which identifies and brings us all together. Pune Harawera at one of the flag consultation hui held over the past year, and well, he's had a hell of a year. See you next year, Hone, when you're back in Parliament. Another crew that's had a hell of a year, though maybe not quite in the way Mr Harawira has, is South Auckland-based band Smash Proof, whose single brothers held the number one spot for a record 16 weeks. And while that's something to be proud as of, the fact that it dealt with such a heavy subject matter, the killing of a boy for tagging, brought to the ears of a younger generation the needless waste of life. 
Justin kicked back with Tyree, Young Sid and Deech, otherwise known as Smash Proof. Um, individually, your your culture and your heritage, and whether that plays a part or does it influence you in any way when it comes to writing or music or whatever. If we can start with you, Young Sid. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it does, but it's like uh, I, I reckon it just depends on how you, how you grew up. Like um, I didn't grow up with uh, like a strong like Modi background yep. or nothing like that, so I pretty much just took off from what my parents. Listen to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. What they listen to, like, but I still try and infuse some, like, not moldy words or nothing. I, I let people know what I'm about, what, 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 you know, what, I, what I am. Cook Island Moldy, always. Cool. You're hearing a couple of songs in that, and yeah. Um, yeah, my my dad, he was he was in a band, so I got influenced by him a lot. And my whole family, you know, we used to sing, um, church prayers, you know, for cool. like, for choir or not like Grace. <laughs> Oh, okay. Like before dinner and before stuff. Before Kai used to sing it. Yeah, we used to sing, like, you know, nah, nah. Yeah, how does that go? Nah, but yeah, and, um, you know, my parents took me to church, and, you know, as any islander or Pacific Islander parents, you know, singing plays a big part. Now, those guys are just starting out, but watch this space. While their stars are rising steadily, you can't help but think about the trailblazers, the ones that have led the way for others to follow. Maybe not in the pop music world per se, but the traditional sounds of Māori, Tonga Pūro, that underwent a renaissance some 20 or so years ago when a Pākehā man, Richard Nunns, got together with a fella from Tūhoi, Hedony Melbourne. Uh, pondering on what one would say, with Parkinson's now I usually burst into tears. And I don't do it very prettily, so uh, this will be short. I... Uh, I pondered long and hard on the nature of the award, which I'm still hugely humbled about, or we are, st- I know Hurdini would be, and we're both standing there blinking our eyes and, and wondering what to say. That would have been bittersweet for nuns, Neha Maraya. Needless to say, he mihiatsu kia koe, Richard. It's not easy to start something on your own. <laughs> to put yourself out there, especially if it's doing something that people don't necessarily see as being very Māori, though what that is shouldn't have limitations on it either. Yet we are constantly meeting people who are doing that very thing, whether it's remortgaging their houses to set up a business venture, like the high successful Whale Watch in Kaikoura. Establishing a private investigations company like Wellington-based Ngāti Kahununu Kiri Pihima did with Rockies Investigations. Going into the wine business like Blenheim's Tohu Wines. Or what about this wahine in Rotorua, Jackie Mutsu, developing a business that, while it may not seem obvious, is actually about healthy well-being. In four weeks doing 95 children um, is pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, a lot of uh, schools in that can tell you how many kids in their classes have them, and it's normally out of 35 in a class, there's 20 so, um, and that's just here, you know, that's just um, talking to friends that are teachers and that, and uh, kindies, and um, yeah, just talking about how many kids, I mean, I've dropped off my pamphlets and my services to to all the people in uh, Rotorua, and uh, they just, yeah, they welcome the service because they know that um, kids are in, way infected, like I had one um, case where um, one of the kindy teachers said it actually they actually fall out of the kids' hair on the carpet when they're sitting there, and you can see them crawling away. 
Jackie Mutsu and her hair lice removal hairdressing business, Crazy Critters. You can find out details about that and, in fact, all our stories at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. Click through, there's a photo gallery. Give us a hollow if you see yourself there. And there's an archive of past broadcasts you can listen to as well. I'm Maraya Rakuraku. And I'm Justin Murray, and you're listening to Te Ahika. Now, that was something I really enjoyed doing, Justine, getting those young boys to race up and down the road on Ruatoki so I could record them. What are you doing this for, lady? <laughs> and we do get around a Maraya from the deep south to way up north. It's so we portray the diversity of Māori because, you know, we are as diverse as non-Māori. We want to reflect ourselves back to each other two-way and really celebrate what it is to be Māori and Indigenous to Aotearoa. Then there's relationships with other Indigenous nations where we're able to draw strength from our commonalities. Indigenous scholar Professor Karina Walters of the Choctaw Nation put it beautifully near Maraya when she looked at the health deficits of her people from a historical Indigenous point of view. Um, another example would be flooding traditional homelands or uh, dam- putting dams up that you know changes the physical environment and then that interrupts people to... Uh, it interrupts whole communities from being able to fulfill their original instructions uh, as a people. Um, it also involves kind of government-sponsored kind of agendas, uh, such as you know outright genocide, to uh, you know community massacres, which we've endured as well at different points in our history, um, to things like boarding school being forcibly removed from your your community and placed hundreds of miles away into boarding schools. Uh, where the intent was to kill the Indian to save the man, since that was the, the saying back then. And, um, and a lot of our children were brutalized in those boarding schools. Um, that's where we were introduced to physical and sexual abuse in ways that, you know, uh, we had never really encountered. So uh, we've got whole generations that were not parented. They were separated from their traditional values. They were separated from uh, traditional ways of relating to one another, to traditional forms of discipline, um, all of these things. And that affects us in, in profound ways in terms of our health, our physical health, our spiritual health, our mental health, um, how we even parent our own children from that experience. So, um, so part of the colonization process and historical trauma in particular has been to... Um, these have these events that separate people from the land, separate people from each other, separate people from their culture, separate people from their spirituality, um, and and hopefully, you know, part of it is is to get people to internalize that as as okay, and um, but the good news is part of our research and our work has been on focusing on despite these big historically traumatic events, our communities have thrived, we've survived, and we've done well. So how do we build our programs and how do we rebuild family and how do we regenerate um, wellness from our ancestral understandings of that and, and that there are elements of these processes that still stay with us? Dr. Karina Walters. At times, the similarities of shared Indigenous experience really blows me away too, Mariah. And it's trippy, eh? When things happening miles away resonate here. Or when Indigenous solutions to problems, a, 
really demonstrate Indigenous ingenuity and B, can be applied here, as Dr Maria Barge found on a recent visit to British Columbia. Well, I guess I got interested in it um, mostly because uh, the hapu that's near our hapu, Ngāti Kia and Ngāti Tuara, which are in Hororo, the hapu down the road, if you like, <laughs> um, are involved with the Tuarupaki Trust and they have their own geothermal power station. So some of our relations are connected down there. And their mission is to be a beacon of hope uh, in Aotearoa. <laughs> and they certainly are. You know, they have... They're the first group of hapu, anyway, that have their own power station generating energy, selling it into the national grid. That's really inspiring. Um, and so I'd been doing a lot of research previously on neoliberalism and, and corporate um, you know, activity and things like that, and which often uh, tends to get a little bit grim. But this was a really exciting um, kind of activity that Māori are involved in. And uh, so I started looking at that and being really interested in renewable energy and what activities Māori are getting into in terms of renewable energy. And there are some hapu and iwi that are investigating biodiesel plants, uh, wind farms uh, and uh, other or geothermal activity and all those kinds of things. Um, and as well as that, uh, I look, started looking around internationally and found that other nations, indigenous nations, are already down that track. Now that's Tino Rangatiratanga in action. Which really is what we do, eh, Maroya? Provide a platform to show Māori going about their business and, you know, learn something in the process, like when Ngāti Pūrau Mark Kōpua explained the difference between tāmoko, traditional Māori tetsu, and kiritsuhi, skin art. Basically says that 99.9% of moko is about your culture, it's about your, your iwi, hapu and whānau affiliations. Uh, it's about anything Māori language, um, the language, the, the arts, the everything. is. That's what moko is. It reflects all those things and the 0.1% of it is about tattooing. So to, I think that that's probably one of the better answers that you'll find mm. in terms of what moko is because people today even understand that moko is more than just some pretty accessory that it carries all their heritage and their and their genealogy and and it's um that that kind of like puts it a little bit more than just a art piece in the words of one money of puto i wear my pride upon my skin pretty much that's pretty much it and um uh, yeah because it is your pride that's your that's your whanau your um your whole heritage is there worn on your skin out there for everybody to see. Mark Kōpua, one of the most respected Tāmoko artists in the country, which just goes to show the level of ignorance that's still prevalent. Ida, and hello, Tāmoko is central to cultural identity now, Justine. I know of heaps of incidences where Māori have been refused entry into bars, restaurants, because the staff there see it as gang insignia. Gangs themselves say what they wear is tetsu and not Tāmoko. The environment is a theme that showed up a lot in Teohika this year. The ways Māori were noticing the changes in the environment and returning to the ways of our old people to counteract it, like the Tairawhiti Polytechnic students you met, Mariah. And then there was Henika Mako and Mike Smith, who travelled the country in their big red bus and recorded Māori observations of climate change. Now, Mariah, while we tried to cover as much as we can, we were neglectful in one area. Hākinakina. 
sport. Although I discovered kiorahi, a game played by Māori traditionally that, like taonga puoro, is undergoing a revitalisation. And get this, Justine, is played in schools in France of all places. Yeah, that's due to soldiers from the 28th Māori Battalion playing it there during the Second World War and the locals taking part. Pretty cool, eh? I'll say. I'm Justine Murray. I'm Maraya Rakuraku, and we're giving you a recap on what 2009 was for Te Ahika, the Kaupapa Māori programme here on Radio New Zealand National. It's always sad when guests who have featured on Te Ahika pass away. Like that lovely ngaitahu queer mm. Maraya interviewed, Lexi Starkey. I'll always think of her fondly when I go through Blenheim. She has by far been one of my favourite interviews ever. Bulla bullas. What are bulla bullas? Bulla bullas. <laughs> <laughs> we call them bulla bullas, and what is the park is call them deadly nightshades. But the right name is bulla bullas. It's some name that starts with P. Bulla bulla. Yeah, that's the right name. And and they grow in the paddock. You know, the park if the farms used to have uh, this big paddock there with Swedes all growing in it. And uh, the weeds, the dead nightshade, we call them bulla bullas. You'd find us Maori kids sitting in the middle of them. <laughs> and they used to say, oh, that poison, that poison. Well, by Jove, we must have cast iron stomachs. Because <laughs> we grew up with, you know. Yes. I remember my daughter, Moana, they, they had a session at Omaka Marae of all the different dialects, you know, of our people. And Moana says, she says, all the Aitahu people got B in their language, you know, for B. And uh, she come home, she said, Mum, they wouldn't believe me. And I said, why? She said, I told them we had Aitahu people that had B in their their uh, language, you know. And um, I said... Where did you get that from, Moana? Mum, of course, she said, we used to have bulla bullas. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the Kraua Edison Winera from Porirua who fought in the Māori Battalion in the Second World War. Again, that interview was a laugh and a half when Edison and his wife Maida shared with me some of their memories of that time. And basically, Mariah, that's what we do sometimes, eh? You know, we mm. sit with people as they reminisce about a time, place, or an event that has shaped them. I mean, it's a privilege what we do. Which in some cases is happening either right now or took place, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Like when John Panido of Wairua Pa at Little Creek out of Christchurch returned to the Pa after recuperating from tuberculosis at the nearby Solarium. Or Sue Eddington's old people, who when they were shifted off their high country land in South Canterbury above Timaru in the early 1900s, immediately noticed just how different their new homeland would be. Well, the story I was told was came from my tower, and she tells it. The story she tells involves her her mum, her mother, who was only a child at the time, but they were living up in the valley in Hakataramia. They would have been up there for, um, you know, they they moved around seasonally according to the kai and and resources. And there was a story about some sheep attacked one of the local farmers a dog, I mean, attacked the local farmer's sheep. And my toa said that the redcoats came along. And from what I can gather, it was some sort of army-type so establishment. Sort of, yeah, 
Constabulary. Yeah, they were on horseback and they were marched, the entire settlement were marched back down this way. And some chose to settle on the banks of the Waitaki River. Um, that was Temaharua chose to go that way and the rest got brought down to the area that we're about to go and see now and they were given um, well my Taua's mum received 16 acres so I'm assuming that all of the families um, surely would have got the same amount but as they came down the children in the party were very excited because they thought they were spying eggs all over the ground but in actual fact they were stones and the land turned out to be totally worthless and not enough to sustain a family and so one by one the families all drifted away again or had to leave and seek employment elsewhere. And what happened to the land that they had left? Well the, the farm, farm farmers just took over it. Right. They wanted them off because they wanted the land. I don't believe it was anything to do with dogs and sheep and whatever but that was what was used at the time to call in the the men in uniform that marched them all away. Here you are, you go and look down here now. Sue Eddington, Waihao Park, Temaru, describing the reaction of her people to the landscape they were relocated to that was very different to what they had come from. And then there's the international events because hey, we are part of a village like the Samoan tsunami that was distressing. Well, the recent murders of the journalists in the Philippines, that's distressing too. And then there's the international events that feel like you're witnessing something truly historic, like... The appointment of the first black president of the United States. What a way to start 2009. And of course, Māori were enthusiastic because of the possible implications it could have here. It's all about a celebration uh, of Obama and the opportunity for people here to be part of that. So we're wrapped with the turnout, actually overwhelmed. Feel like I'm in Washington. <laughs> and so what were you doing this morning at, what, 4.30am or 5 o'clock? Um, you know? I didn't get up um, early, but I don't get Sky, so I had to um, put up with local coverage, which I didn't think was, was that great, actually. Um, but however, I am an asthmatic and found myself blowing up red, white and uh, blue balloons this afternoon. So, and kept telling myself, I'm sure Mich- uh, Michelle Obama did this, so get over yourself. And didn't she look fabulous? Oh, stunning. Oh, hey, 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 don't, can't you see it? I'm oh, trying to definitely. emulate that look. It's all an ensemble, the whole fringe to one side. Um, I think there's, there's actually a lot of people really inspired... Yeah, so we're really, really proud, and proud for Māoridom. I mean, you know, I had the opportunity to talk tonight and just said he's, he's done it for coloured people across the world, including us. Editor of Tumai magazine, Ata Te Kanawa. One of my highlights was interviewing a former colleague of mine from Iwi Radio Days, Miss Semi Holland, whose reporting of the inauguration of Barack Obama has been the highlight of her career to date. I felt honoured and um, privileged to be covering such an occasion um, on behalf of all Indigenous peoples um, because we've all been through the same struggles and to go over there and um, 
and cover such a significant kaupapa was was um, very uh, emotional, moving, um, and I felt I had a big responsibility sort of put it all together and, and get it out there to the world. But I, 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 I came from a different perspective from the likes of mainstream networks, i.e. CBS, CNN. I went to the people, to the grassroots, and um, got their perspective on things. The real perspective, I guess. And um, the other issue that I incorporated was Native Americans, who actually are the people of the land in America, and were you there the night when the announcement was made that he was the president-elect? Yes. And how yes. was that? Like, were you there at the in Chicago? Oh no, I was in Washington D.C. and I was with a family, an African American family, in their lounge, watching the election. <laughs> how was being there with the, well, the family? Yeah, the thing is, is that. Um, See, they this family held a sort of like a party for family and friends. They've never done it before for any election, actually. But um, you know, of course, this was a, the perfect occasion to have a big party and celebrate. So you know, we sat there and watched the election uh, right to the end. And um, the the interesting part was there was a lot of first time voters in that lounge. Never ever voted before. Never felt compelled. Um, wow. So, yeah, in that sense, it was big. And um, there was a lot of emotion. And get this. She bumped into Stevie Wonder at the airport. The perks of the job, eh? I reckon. Now, there are some events we covered during the year that are must-dos on the Māori calendar. Events that celebrated Māori who otherwise go unnoticed, like one of the categories of the annual Te Wakatoi Awards, they recognise the contribution Komatua based within their homelands have made to the art world. And then there's the bigwigs. The shakers and movers, like the inaugural team of Māori leaders, named by Te Aote Māori Boys College. Yeah, those old boys have really shaped Te Ao Māori, the Māori world, which has ended up shaping Te Ao Pākehā, the Pākehā world. Which is hopefully what we're doing, Justine. Over the past year, we went to our share of art exhibitions like Saffron Teratana, Nahina Hohaia, Wiremu Barabal. That's just a few we checked out. And sometimes we go to the opening or closing of those exhibitions. One of the biggest closings was the ending of Naitahu Iwi Tenya at the Motato exhibition space at the Papatongarewa Museum in Wellington. Anei mātou, o te iwi o Naitahu. E mihi atu ana ki te mana whenua ngā iwi o te whanganui atara, tēnā koe, tēnā kurua, tēnā koutou. E te whari o te papatunga rewa, kua rōnei mātou e noho mai rā ki konei, a kua rōnei ngā taonga e whakaaturia ana ki Aotearoa ki te ao whanui. He hinori nō mātou, I ahai te noho o ngā taonga ki konei, engari, ko a whai oranga anō mātou, ka hoki mai ngā taonga ki mua i te aroaro o tahu pōtiki. E ngā kaitiaki a te whari nei, he mihi mutunga kore ki a koutou. 
And I spoke with uh, Kaumatua, or the kaitiaki of the exhibition, Kukupatiri Katene Sullivan and Te Whee Phillips, both truly missed their southern homes. Especially Te Whee, eh? She was hanging out to get back to her gardens at Rapaki, and all those southern delicacies, us te waka Maui lot lust after something chronic like titi. Ah, mutton <laughs> bird. And the rest of the kaimwana that isn't on tap here in the capital. I'm Maria Rakaoka and we're just about done for our wrap-up of 2009. There's a few things that celebrate the Māori world. And by far one of the biggest, well it's probably the reason it's held every two years, is te matatini, time to get your haka on. Well for me Maria, I could never quite master the poi. And, and I've seen the intense training they do. It's like a boot camp of kapahaka. Eh? There's the discipline, late nights practicing, the sore bodies and throats. But all that hard work pays off big time when all the kapahaka groups from around the motu battle it out. As Justin found earlier this year in her hometown of Tauranga Moana. In their place Are you supporting the team today? I'm, I'm supporting all the teams who've given it their best shot. Good choice. Especially Wakahui, I hope they win this one. <laughs> In first place, yes. for the overall yes. the Tua Waka Uhu Waka, the Duncan McIntyre trophy being presented by the Arikinui 2 Fire Mabel Farikawa Burt announcing the top three groups in this year's Matatini. And the next one in 2011 is going to be held in Gisborne, Nasi Puro country. Kotereo te Māori o te mana Māori. A whakatauki there that speaks about the importance of the Māori language. This year, Te Wiki o te Reo Māori, Māori Language Week, was about the community. Te Tauraferi i te Reo Māori, the Māori Language Commission, really changed the awards this year. In the past, it was in the form of a swanky dinner, but this year it was part of a symposium at Te Rauparaha Arena in Puridua. And aside from the normal awards handed out to businesses, the universities and the schools, they also gave awards to the tōtara of the Māori language. What do you mean by that, Justine? Well, you know, the giants, the tōtara of the language, those who have pioneered, those who have nurtured and corrected the use of te reo Māori, some have called this next person a reo Nazi because of his passion for it, really. Professor Timoti Karetsu was given te tohu takitoa takimano. E mate te nā koe. Te nā koe e whakanui nei iau, ana kiau nei ko wai i tuatu i te rahe mahi te rā mahi. Ka tahi nā te tuna whakarangatira iau, Kia 
kaitaku kai ngākau Simonsi. A ka pēr ano taku kororo ke ako e mate, kaitaku kai ngākau e mate, te nā koe, kōrua ko tātāu e tamāhine mokopunei tō tahana, kōrua ko pēnei rawa te whakāro nui mai ki au, o tira koutou, tai atu ki te taura whiri, koutou noho mai nai te nā hui a tātou, e mihi tonu tātou ki a tātou, e kahatonu nei ki tō tātou reo, i runge tō tātou whakapono kaha, kia kaua tēnei reo e mate. Nō reira koutou e kaha mai nā, ko tātou tonu ki te hoe o tō tātou waka, kia korera wātū rāno e tai e tātou, tō tātou waka te hoe. Ki te kore tātou, ko ngā mea paimuri a tātou, hei hopu mai te kakau, anā mā rātou tō tātou waka e hoe. Engare e mihi anon ki ngā kai hoa hoa, o tā tātou kaupapa, te hei kōkō koutou, ngā whare wānanga, kei te tamaiti taiarahia koutou ngā whare wānanga. Kei ngā tamarikina pāni a rau ko tāna tūngāne kōrua, e rūrune mā kōrua e pāni ngā whakahare o te rā. Me taku kite atu i te kui o te tai rā whitina i āhera, ahako tāna kōromo te titaho te haere o te ure, a i wāna nei hoki, e mihi tonu tāku ki āia, a o tira ki a koutou katoa, atu i a mātou ka tahitonu nei ngā mutu te rā whakanui ngā kohangareo o kahungunu nei. Nō reire me ki i pēneo, atu i a mātou i ngā kohangareo o kahungunu nei, Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, kia ora mai tātou katoa. Ki te karakatu tēnei, kia koutou, kā koka o ka kurareo i roto i katou, ki te haramai, ki te tautoko i te waiata nei, ki te taho tō tātou, kuia tēnei, te huia kaimanawe noho nei, rāwatahi ko te hākoro nei a tīmoti. Nā reira, koutou o ka kurareo, haramai, piki mai, kiru ki tātumira nei. Tāi atu hoki rā ki a koutou o te panekiretanga o te reo, haramai koutou, hei, tuarā mō tō tātou ruruhi kuia a e noho maini. Ai, ke te wete koutou mōku. Reira, koutou e maroke. Naitu Hoi Timoti Karitu accepting the award that basically encompasses the philosophy that what you do is a result of what people put into you, which then you are charged with doing to other people. Which is kind of like you and I, Nemarai, when you know we do what we do, but we have our whānau behind us who are pushing us forward. And whānau's a broad term, eh? Because there's the radio whānau here that help us produce Tahika every week, plus there's our actual whānau at home. Radio National. Kia ora Zane, that's my nephew there. 
Now, often we wrangle favours or pull the whānau buzz on people like you did there, eh, Justine? <laughs> sure did. Took about 10 takes. But there is a whole lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio New Zealand that really we can't do without. Whose patience, professionalism and commitment to great radio helps us produce Tehika. Drum roll, please. There's the crew in the library, Emma Hart, Anne Buchanan, Yvonne Bolland, Yumi Navafuchi and Lynette Harvey. Our great admin staff, Carol Davidson, Kilda Carol and Lynn Hanks. The website team, now these guys are awesome, yep. Helena Nemo, Dempsey Woodley and Richard Hulse. They really are wicked. They make our webpage all pretty and put up the photos and... And put on macarons. Yeehaw! There's the WebOps team, Dominic Godfrey, William Saunders, Mark Chesterman. Program schedulers, Gavin McGinley, Kelda Gavin and Nikki Chapman. So you're getting the idea. We've got a pretty huge team, right? Then there's our colleagues and features who we test out ideas on, experts in their own Mm -hmm. right. Jack Perkins, Ruth Barron, Alison Balance, Justin Gregory. Mike Gooley, Sonia Yee, Amelia Nurse, Maureen Gearing, Jason Moon, Veronica Maduna, Phil Smith and Paul Bushnell. And here's the biggie. The guys and girls, girls. that literally live... They live it with me every week. Live the show as much as we do every week. The engineers. Namahi mahana ki Daryl Stack. Ian Bull. Andrew Titakuta Dalziel, Kevin Golding, Jason McClelland, Phil Brownlee, Shannon McKenna, Steve Burridge, Leanne Smith, Matt Thompson, and Gareth Watkins. Gareth Watkins, who are all masters at what they do. And there's their behind the scenes team, Carol Jones. Yay for you, Carol, and David Knowles. But all in all, Tiahika really owes itself to the amazing people we meet and who welcome us open armed into their lives their homes and their experiences. It's truly humbling, informative and a real privilege. Shuck, so while I'm parked up, tormenting kids, enjoying my whānau and basically eating everything in sight at the marae, I'll be looking forward to meeting more of you in 2010. And while I'm looking out over the Tauranga Vista and swimming (laughs) in what looks like a picture-perfect postcard, I'll be thinking of y'all as well. So get ready for us in 2010 when we're back fiercer and funnier than ever. (laughs) Nō reira i tiwi kua tai anō mātou ki te mūtinga a te ahika mō tēnei tau. He mihi atu tēnei ki ngā hua mahi, ngā kai kōrero, me ngā kai whakahaere mihini. In compiling the show, we thought of a wee ditty to end on, so we rustled up some Radio New Zealand staff to sing a version of Ten Guitars, and no, Idol's not going to be calling any time soon. Hoki mai anō hei te toru te kaumatahi o kohi tātea. A tērā tau. Mauri ora! I have a band of men and all they do is play for me. They come from miles around to hear them play their melodies. Beneath the stars my tank guitars will play a song for you. And if you're with the one you love, this is what you do. Through the eyes of love, you'll see it. 
dance, dance, dance to my tin guitar. Guitars were made for love, my band of men will always say. So give them all a pretty girl and they will start to play. Beneath the stars, my tank guitars will play a song for you. And if you're with the one you love, this is what you do. Oh, oh, dance, 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 dance to, to my tank guitars. And very soon you'll know just where you are. Through the eyes of love you'll see a thousand stars. For when you dance, dance, dance to my tin guitar. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas from Tiahi Ka. We can't hear you. Turn the mic off.